All right. So the United States held its uh, midterm elections this past week. Since we are based in Illinois, um, I thought that it was kind of appropriate. So my question for you guys, and I'm going to apologize right now, um, or not even apologize because this is fantastic. So (laughs) Matt and Tabitha's dog is currently on Tabitha's lap, and um, he is very much not a lap dog but this is kind of amazing. So anyway, back to my question for the week. What fictional Illinois character would you have voted for um, in the Illinois gubernatorial election? Uh, I'm going to start with someone that we have not seen for a few weeks because, oh, she was getting married and then she went on a honeymoon. Mrs. Lydia. (laughs) Well, excuse me. I'm so sorry that my uh, life choices were an inconvenience. <laughs> I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so I didn't think about this question, like, at all. And then you said Illinois character, so now I'm highly confused. Um, if we're just talking fictional character, the first thing that popped into my mind was Beast from X-Men, because, you know, he's already kind of a politician anyway. And since Illinois tends to kind of lean towards being a blue state anyway, it just fits. So we're just going to go with that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Matt. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie. Today has been a mess at work. So um, I am drawing a blank on even fictional characters um, for Illinois. I don't know. Benny the Bull? Like the the Bull's mascot? I think. <laughs> I mean, okay. more likely to get my vote than some of the prior candidates. So there's that. <laughs> uh, I am going with um, someone who in the 80s and 90s was a used shoes, or not, not used, but he was a shoe salesman, yet he still managed to provide for a family of four. And then in later seasons, a family of five. Al Bundy, I feel like, could solve all of Illinois' financial woes because he was able to do that all of that on a shoe salesman's budget. Tabitha, I'm ending with you because when I asked this question earlier, you were very excited to tell us your train of thought. So, you know those times when you and I have the same thoughts and it's weird because we don't really like each other? Um <laughs> This is kind of one of those moments. Wow. My my knee-jerk reaction was also Al Bundy. I was like, like, who do I think of as like an oily, slimy politician guy? And I was like, oh, Al Bundy. But then my brain went from Al Bundy to 90s sitcoms to Illinois straight to my future governor, Dan Connor. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, I I am ready. I'm ready for these tickets. In four years, we're running these candidates. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket.
All right. So we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, we're going for various reasons. We're going to try to get through tonight as quickly as possible. Um, but I want to quickly, before we get into the pull list, talk about something really cool that Vault Comics has announced within the last week. Um, Vault announced that they're, uh, they've announced a new line of music-themed graphic novels called Headshell. The line will feature books from recording artists like Metallica, uh, Def Leppard, The Beach Boys, Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy, uh, and Redman, just to name a few. Uh, Headshell is going to launch with Dying Inside, which is from Pete Wentz, writer Hannah Klein, and artist Lisa uh, Sterl. This sounds really cool. Um, we have read other music-themed graphic novels from other publishers, um, and they've been fantastic. But Vault, I, I think we've all agreed, has put out some very special uh, titles, whether it be graphic novels, series, whatever. Um, and I am here for this. I am excited to see what they're going to do. Um, yeah, this just seems really cool. I agree. Sam, definitely down for more music involved in various other forms of pop culture. Get it in there. Get it known. Okay. So, we're going to open the pool list and we're going to stick with Vault. Um, so, the trade paperback, and if y'all are uh, longtime fans of the show, you will know that I can never pronounce this series correctly. And even after a few months of not talking about it, it's probably going to be even worse. Um, the trade paperback for We Ride Titans. <laughs> it's out now from Vault. Uh, written by Trestine with art by Sebastian Paris. Um, so like I said, we've talked about this before. So as a quick refresher, Kit's family has been protecting New Hyperion for generations by piloting a Titan to fend off Kaiju. Uh, Kit thought she had moved on from that life. Until an accident with her brother has her coming back to the family business. Um, when we read the first few issues of We Ride Titans, uh, I really enjoyed it. And just because life got in the way or what have you, um, there, there's about three comic books that I currently read right now. Ooh. Um, and uh, so like, I, I had fallen behind. Uh, but so, you know, with, with all that, I, I just I lost track of the book. Um, reading it all in one go, it was kind of a roller coaster ride. Uh, I, I really enjoyed pretty much everything in this book. I, I love the family drama and how it mixed really well with the action scenes. Um, there were a couple of moments that I honestly probably should have seen coming, but I still didn't see coming. So, like, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but I thought that the book was going in one direction and was going to end one way and then it didn't, but I was still satisfied with the way that it ended. But that said, like, I felt like it was kind of rushed. Uh, I feel like this book could have given like another issue or two and really had focused on some of these side characters. And that really would have kind of, for me, given the ending that, it, it would have seen the ending go from like really good to great. Uh, that said, like if 
vault or this creative team even you know like ever decides to revisit this world i am 100 here for it um matt i know you also had a chance to read this what'd you think um i have to agree with you that i feel like as much as i enjoyed the family drama i like i love the action um it was a different twist on the giant robot kaiju story that we've seen a few times in the last you know five or six years um because it relied so heavily on the family drama which i was glad they put in there because it made it different than the standard kind of month like robot kaiju story that we've seen um but kind of like you said i i feel like we could have had probably probably two more issues to kind of flesh that story out a little bit um i do feel like parts of that were a little rushed and kind of just like oh by the way we're running out of pages here's this here's that um my only other thing that i didn't really care for with there i, I love the action but there were a few of those pages where during the battle scenes um it was a little chaotic to the point where I couldn't tell exactly what was happening. Like who was punching who, like who was winning the battle. Um, but, uh, but that said, yeah, I, I will, uh, I'll, I'll go with you that. Yeah, we could, um, you know, revisit this world and I would, I would come back for this. Yeah. All right. Let's go to trailer takedown. And this week we've got four movies, um, zero actual Christmas movies, although two of these films did say, um, you know, this holiday season. So while not like a Christmas movie, it's still a movie you're probably going to watch with your family around Christmas. Uh, but we are going to start with um, Kindred versus Kick-Ass the Reboot, which um, is a fan film. Um, Matt, these, both of these movies were from you. So let's start with you tonight. Uh, so Kindred, we knew they were doing, um, an adaptation of this. Um, this trailer, it, it looks fantastic. It really just does. Um, it gives real horror movie vibes and music to it, which I absolutely loved, um, because I knew it was kind of going to be kind of dark and creepy, but like, I feel like they're going to amp that up for this um kick ass the reboot i almost want to apologize because i thought this was more of a trailer than it was it's like a 10 second clip and then like an update from the filmmakers saying hey we're doing this indie small you know studio reboot of kick ass that said there's not a whole lot to this trailer um other than hey we're doing this i'm gonna give eight points to kindred because I feel like even though I haven't read this, this series is going to do with the book justice and two for reboot, uh, kick ass the reboot, because at this point there's really just not a whole lot to say. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, about 10, 15 seconds into kindred. I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know if, you know, this is going to be for me. Um, it seems it seems really, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not harsh, but like it just, it seems like too real. I don't even know. I don't know. 
but it seemed to something for me. And I was just like, I just don't know. But then we get to what I'm calling the quantum leap moment where we realize that this main character is like kind of jumping back and forth through like at least two different timelines, maybe multiple different timelines. I'm not for sure. But um, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm here for this. Like, this is amazing. Especially when she's like questioning her sanity and everything like that. I'm like, this is going to be really cool and really weird. And yeah. Um, Kick-Ass the Reboot. I have such a conflicted relationship with Kick-Ass. I loved the first movie. I loved the first comic book series. About midway through Kick-Ass 2, the comic, not the movie. Um, I've, I've never seen anything past... I think there was just... Was there a Kick-Ass 3 movie? I can't remember. No, not yet. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I didn't see Kick-Ass 2. Um, but about midway through the comic book, I was like, this is too much, even for me. Um, so, for me, I, I feel like Kick-Ass it just lives in that first series for me and i'm happy with it um with this reboot i don't know do we need it could these filmmakers have not necessarily spun off but could they have used the kick-ass template and created a different character if not if they're sticking you know obviously they're sticking with kick-ass but like you know is mark millar involved in this at all like I don't know. Like, I just, I want to like the idea of this, but I would definitely have to see more than the like 10 seconds of this movie that we got. So I'm giving nine points to Kindred and one point to Kick-Ass the Reboot. Uh, Tabitha. Um, I loved the book Kindred and I've been excited about this since we knew it was going to be a thing. And this trailer did not let me down. Um, If, not I'm more excited if I'm anything um this looks like it's going to be fantastic and it looks like it's going to be the done the way I was hoping it was going to be done um as far as kick-ass is concerned I could really care less I think I've watched the first movie once and I was like not that really that entertained by it um so I'm giving all 10 of my points to Kendred and no points to that five second clip of that man in a Boba Fett Call of Duty suit because that's what that looked like. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So with a score of 27 to 3, Kindred moves on, and it meets the winner of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio versus Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Um, with, With Pinocchio, this trailer was weird, man. I... I went from not being here for it at all to being like, oh, is this going to have a lot of heart to, no, this is just really weird to, oh, is this movie going to make me cry? It might make me cry. It's definitely going to make Sabbath cry. Um, <laughs> but in the end, I, I feel like this trailer was okay. Um, the, with it being Guillermo del Toro, we knew that it was going to have a darker take on the Pinocchio story. And yeah, I kind of feel that, especially like it's been a minute since I've seen the um, 
the classic Disney cartoon, but it's did we did they say in that in in the Disney cartoon that Pinocchio is based off of Geppetto's dead son? Is that a thing? Okay, so that is so that's original to this story. Well, maybe not original, I but um, but yeah, so like. That's like that does add a new different layer to it. Um, Glass Onion. I loved Knives Out way more than I thought that I was going to. And so when they announced the sequel to this movie, even though uh, Daniel Craig's character, Benoit Blanc, um, is the only one that is in this sequel. Uh, when they first announced it, I was I was 1000 percent here for it. I loved this trailer. I think that the cast is fantastic. Um, it's got just a wide range of different um, actors and like, yeah, I just, I, I genuinely feel like this is going to be a huge hit and it's only going to be in theaters for like, I think a week before it hits Netflix, which is, I get it, but still um, kind of bummed about that. That said, I'm giving eight points to Glass Onion and two to Pinocchio, um, Tabitha. Um, I am like a weird outlier when it comes to the Knives Out movie. I was not entertained by it and I was in fact incredibly bothered by it. Um, as far as Pinocchio, I am also incredibly bothered by Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I do think it will make me cry, there are a few things that like give me the heaves and one of them is puppets um so i guess i'm just gonna split down the middle and give each five because i don't i have no desire to watch either of them <laughs> matt um so the the live action disney pinocchio um i i we watched the trailer for it i did i don't think we need it this Guillermo del Toro version looks like a like we knew a darker slightly different take on the story um and I do enjoy stop motion animation um I feel like it's going to give the story a different feel and it, it's not gonna feel like a just a shot by shot rehashing of the Disney classic animated film um so while I don't know if we need it, I think this is going to be good. It's going to be interesting. Um, knives out, glass onion. Um, I'm I'm halfway between Mitch and Tabitha on this one um, because I did enjoy it more than I thought I would, but I also had some issues with the film, um, the first one, just because of the way that the plot was laid out. Um, I wanted to help figure out the the, the murder mystery um, instead of like being told, hey, this is what happened and then just re retracing the steps. Um, so if we get more of a who an actual who done it for this second one, I'm going to be all for it because yes, this cast is fantastic. The characters look awesome. They look fun and different. Um, so that's my only hesitation is if the plot line is going to be played out the same way as the first one, it, it's going to be hard to really be all for this new Knives Out. 
just so I'm not going straight down the middle here, I'm going to go six for Pinocchio and four for Glass Onion. All right. So with a score of 13 to 17, Glass Onion does move on. In the finals, we have Kindred versus Glass Onion. I'll give you guys like 10 seconds to come up with your points. We need Jeopardy music. <laughs> Thanks, Lydia. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> Just food was more important than trailers tonight. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> All right. Um, you guys ready? Yep. All right. Um, Tabitha, since I kind of know roundabouts <laughs> where yours is going to be, where, let's start with you. Um, I'm going to give nine of my points to Kindred and one of my points to Knives Out simply for Leslie Odom Jr. existing. <laughs> um, I am going to give, as much as I was excited for Glass Onion, I'm giving Kindred six points uh, versus four for Glass Onion, mostly because um, I knew that I was going to like the trailer for Glass Onion but I didn't know how much I was going to really enjoy the trailer for Kindred. Matt. Um, I am going to give eight points to Kindred and two to Knives Out um, because yes, I'm going to enjoy the cast. I probably will enjoy the story, but I'm, I'm iffy on, on the, the, the plot and how that's going to play out for glass onion. Um, but kindred just looks absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, eight and two. Cool. So with a score of 23 to seven kindred is this week's winner of trailer takedown. All right. It's time for gut reaction and y'all, we came up with some weird stories this week. (laughs) Yeah, we did. In fact, like we'll get to it later on. But all four of us had a story that was a contender for our last story of the night, which I usually say for the weirdest, most WTF thing. So, yeah, um, I don't know what that says about us. I don't know if I should say congratulations or y'all, we need help. (laughs) Maybe it's a little bit of both. I think you should just title this episode the WTF episode. I'm here for it. (laughs) Uh, So we are going to actually start uh, with Tabitha and the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. Um, So Percy Jackson and the Olympians is going to be getting the Disney Plus treatment. And Lin-Manuel Miranda has been announced that he has been cast as Hermes, the messenger god. Um, Disney Plus actually tweeted a couple of photos on, I think, Monday that said a message from the messenger god himself, Lin-Manuel Miranda, is Hermes in the Percy Jackson the Olympians original series. Um, Rick Riordan, who is the author of the book series, uh, said it's always wonderful when someone so multi-talented and wildly successful turns out to be a genuinely nice and decent person. Um, and Lin-Manuel is that kind of guy. And he also noted that Lin-Manuel was his first choice for the role. And after the script was finished, he just kept seeing this person as Lin-Manuel Miranda. And he finally like wrote him a note and was like, hey, you want to be a god for a couple of days? And he was on board. 
So I'm pretty excited. Series is currently in production. It's expected to premiere sometime in 2024. And I have already began my reread of the Percy Jackson series so I can get prepared. Um, so I'm giving this a thumbs up, obviously. Matt. Um, this is a series that has been on my TBR for a very long time. Um, the movies didn't really spur me into reading it, but seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda cast in this Disney Plus series will do that. So probably, I won't start now, but as we get closer to launch, um, yeah, I will finally get to these books. Um, and anytime you can like see him in a role, I think it's just good news for, for the plot and for the story. So thumbs up. Uh, yeah. Thumbs up. I love absolutely everything about this. Um, just go ahead and give it to me. Be like now, Lydia. So I have not read the Percy Jackson series or watched the movies that have come out. Um, but hearing that he's cast and it kind of makes me want to go back and read and watch all this stuff just so I have like a baseline I mean besides you know just general Greek mythology um also the fact that he got sent a note from like the author of the book series to be cast in this I'm just imagining just from hearing him in various interviews for other stuff just him going like oh yes please <laughs> and that makes me happy so yeah, huge thumbs up. Um, Matt, let's talk about a new gaming chair. <laughs> it's e uh, grease resistant. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, for those uh, Cheeto fingers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you're in in if you're looking for a new gaming chair, uh, McDonald's has a possibility for you. Um. They are um, calling it the McCrispy, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it has storage space for your fries and dipping sauce, just in case you wanted to eat while you were gaming. Um, it's yellow and black, uh, McDonald's branding all over it. Um, yeah, they they keep selling. They, they keep saying that the major selling point is that uh, the plush support features a greaseproof treatment on the leather mature leather materials. Um. So yeah, that's just I don't even know. Um. Other than that, it's kind of like your standard gaming chair, but uh, it's you can't buy it. There's going to be four that they're giving away via Facebook competition. Um. So yeah, they'll probably get one and then get sold on eBay for thousands of dollars. Um, <laughs> I, I, this is just this is something that just does not need to happen. Although people are going to be, I don't know, clamoring over them. So I'm going to go thumbs down because you don't need a gaming chair that's McDonald's themed. Uh, you don't need a gaming chair that's McDonald's themed, but a grease resistant gaming chair like it's not a bad idea like i'm very very conflicted with this like i want to be i i want to roll my eyes so hard at this <laughs> because mcdonald's is going way too far but at the same time it's like this isn't a bad idea i mean i i know a lot of people who will spend you know hours upon hours you know 
in their you know gaming chair and they will eat meals and i'm like this isn't a bad idea it's 100 not for me but it's for somebody and clearly it's gonna be for four people um i i can't decide if i love or hate this so thumb sideways lydia see mcdonald's just needs to stay in their lane you don't need to be making gaming chairs like i i i'm torn with the whole like grease resistant thing because i just have a like mental image of one of those like mega gamers that will sit in front of a computer for hours on end and never shower and i feel like that just gives them more of a reason to not (laughs) shower because then their chair doesn't like absorb the grease that they're producing and i am not okay and no thank you thumbs down (laughs) yeah because if it's grease resistant and the grease is on your person does that mean the grease then just stays on your person wouldn't you almost rather get on the chair than just stay on your person i don't know i i no (laughs) thumbs down (laughs) um lydia let's talk about gears of war and netflix so apparently after you know like months of negotiation which i feel like anytime something like this gets brought up it's always oh months of negotiations happened did they really though um but netflix apparently got the meteor rights to the gears of war series um actually on the 16th anniversary of the games being released um they are planning to turn the first game into a live action movie followed by an adult animated series um, there's currently no uh, filmmaker or producer um, attached to the uh, movie or the series, um, but apparently Netflix is working on uh, producing this uh, with the coalition, who is the ones that made the games. Um, and I think they're one of the first people to have the rights in a long time. Apparently New Line Cinema had it briefly in like 2007, but never made it anywhere with it. Um Gears of War is a game series I haven't really delved into a whole lot. I played, like, a little bit of it. There might be some storyline there. I don't know. But I feel like this is just yet another uh, video game movie slash series that's waiting to crash and burn. So I'm going to give it a thumb sideways because maybe Netflix can kind of take it and run with it. They have had a pretty good run with their um, League of Legends series, so who knows? Maybe they'll have something, but I'm not holding out much hope. I'm never going to have any hope for video game TV shows, movies, or anything until someone actually does one right, and I don't know that this is the one that's going to be done right, so I'm going to give it a thumb sideways. Matt? Um... Is the Halo TV series even still a thing? Like, remember how everybody hyped that? I don't, I don't know. know. I haven't heard anything about it for a while. Right? So I kind of feel like even though, yes, it's Netflix and they have the Midas touch when it comes to pretty much everything, it's still a video game property, which is... It's it's Midas Touch versus Death Knell. Like which one? Which one wins? Like I don't know. Uh, thumb sideways. Yeah, I'm gonna have to echo everybody. Thumb sideways. Um, Netflix. They've got they've got a good track record. I mean they they even got a great track record. Um, I just I don't know. Um, it'd be something that I'd have to 
wait until we at least see a trailer or something before I even begin to cast judgment. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has cast its Spider-Punk. Um, Spider-Punk, a.k.a. Hobie Brown, will be played by Daniel Kaluuya. Am I pronouncing that right? Sure. Sweet. Uh, he is best known for his roles in Get Out, Nope, and Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which he won a Best Supporting Actor for, um, Best Supporting Actor Oscar for. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Um, I have criminally not seen any of those movies, but uh, I did see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and loved every second of it. And I trust that uh, the the team behind that movie with my life at basically this point. Uh, so I am here for it. I'm also excited to see more Spider-People in the sequel. Um, so yeah, give me. Lydia. So I also have not seen any of those movies. So about my only impression of him is the trailers for said movies. <laughs> um, I also didn't know that spider punk was a thing until I saw a mask for him in the store the other day. So that was kind of interesting timing. But um, yeah, the first one was really good. So I have high hopes for their casting choices for the second one. So I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I mean, we we all know. I mean, I don't care about Spider-Man, but this actor has some good acting chops. Um, I don't know how well they're going to be utilized in this kind of role. Um, it's just weird to me that someone who literally has an Oscar is going to be playing a spider person. That feels like a, um, a step back, if you will, in your career. But maybe that's just me. Uh, but thumbs sideways i mean i'm not watching it either way so it doesn't really matter matt the first spider-verse movie was fantastic um they like like the mcu they essentially nailed the casting for that one i can't imagine they're not going to do the same in the future installments so thumbs up tabitha let's go to the baby yoda news desk so, you know how Marvel does that thing where they, like, screw up and accidentally leak stuff? Um, Disney plus Italy kind of did the same thing. Um, they accidentally leaked a list of their upcoming releases. On that list was a short called Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. Um, oh, wow. the was accompanied by Zenimation, who have done shorts based on like Moana and Frozen and some others. So this may mean that we are actually just getting not a live action Grogu short, but like an animated short. And Grogu and the Dust Bunnies sounds like a really fun Alvin and the Chipmunks band holiday special. And I want it really bad. And if that's not what it is, I'm going to need someone to create that. Um, and this could be set coming as soon as this month. Um, so everybody keep your fingers crossed that we get... Grogu and the Dust Bunnies S and Alvin and the Chipmunks kind of TV show because that's all I want right now. <laughs> Thumbs up. Matt. I'm just picturing Mando yelling Alvin, Simon, Theodore. <laughs> um, so I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Baby Yoda, Grogu, whatever you want to call him, um, is just, it's a fan, he's a fantastic character. So more content from that character i'm gonna say thumbs up yeah 
Uh, I don't care if it's live action. I don't care if it's animated. I I don't care. Um, yeah, I don't care what format you give it to me with. Uh, give this to me right now. This sounds amazing. Thumbs up. Lydia. Would it be a sin if that's the first like thing I've officially watched with Baby Yoda in it? Because I am so down. That sounds absolutely adorable, and I want it in my life, <laughs> even though I've never really watched anything else with him. So, you know, but yeah. more Baby Yoda, please. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, Matt, let's talk about your favorite movie, Avatar. <laughs> Why are we talking about Avatar so much? Um, Because James Cameron keeps opening his mouth. Oh, okay. Um, so his most recent quote, uh, to make headlines is, uh, regarding Avatar 2 and 3, uh, that these movies are hideously expensive movies. It was sketchy business. It was a sketchy business case before the pandemic to make a movie that cost this much. Um, basically he's admitting that after outlining Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 12, 37 um that he might stop after three so we might only put up with him yammering on about two more avatar movies instead of like six so um if if we only get two more it'll be one of the best days of my life um and maybe he'll just shut up about all of them i don't know probably not um I'm going to go thumbs up for only having to put up with two more Avatar movies. Um, And this is coming from someone who is not excited about Avatar 2 through 5 through 714. Um, But I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I know that James Cameron has said that he has plans for at least avatars two through five um and you know like um put up or shut up you know like (laughs) like james cameron you have the money and the resources to make four and five if two and three don't do fantastic um just just f everyone and just do it just do it lydia See, I don't like that he said might only do that many. That it, that still feels like too much, and there's still like wiggle room for there to still be like 714 of these. Um, I don't know, man. Thumb sideways. Tabitha, what would crack me up about this is what James Cameron is so right he just he's so self-righteous all the time and if now it's like oh we're actually not gonna be able to do that like that downfall i want to see how he gets out of it without being like oh womp womp like i i want to see how he maneuvers himself out of that one so that would almost be worth it for me so thumbs sideways so we discussed this before but then i don't know about y'all but i promptly forgot about it um there's going to be a new Garfield animated movie starring Chris Pratt. Oh. Yeah. Um, in addition to Chris Pratt, it was previously, previously announced that Samuel L. Jackson, Nicholas Holt, 
Hannah Waddingham, Cecily Strong, and Ving Rhames will also star in this movie. Um, but now it has been announced that Ted Lasso's Brett Goldstein and SNL's Bowen Yang have also joined the cast. Um, I'm giving this... I cannot believe that in 2022, almost 2023, I'm going to give a Garfield animated movie a thumbs up. Um, you all know how I fanboy over Oscar Isaac um, in probably the next two to three years. If Brett Goldstein's career goes the way that it's going, I'm going to be fanboying over Brett Goldstein hardcore. Uh, this guy's a fantastic actor. Uh, Bone Yang, even though I don't watch SNL as religiously as I have before, um, I still will watch clips on YouTube from time to time. And he is hilarious in the clips that I've seen him in. Um, I'm here for this. I am here for this. And, you know, uh, Hannah Waddingham is also um, in the in, in Ted Lasso. So it's kind of nice to have, you know, that little synergy there. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for this. Weirdly. Thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, so I vaguely remember us talking about this now that you said that. And I, I'm not excited, mainly because I, I don't need Chris Pratt to voice every character ever. Just stay Star-Lord and leave all the other harmless characters alone. Thumb, thumbs down. I I don't want this, no matter who's attached to it. Yeah, I uh, I don't need any any Chris Pratt voicing kit uh, cats. That's weird. That feels uh, feels against the laws of nature. So thumbs down. Rats voicing cats. Rats voicing cats. <laughs> oh, um, I. This is just one more intellectual property that does not need to be revived in this century um it was fine leaving it back in our childhood um especially even with this cast i don't i don't think it needs to happen thumbs down all right guys we've reached our last four stories of the night um these are all re weird stories but we're sticking with gut reaction for a little bit longer matt let's talk about Hellraiser for kids? <laughs> huh? Yes. Um, Walmart is selling a toy replica um, of the Hellraiser puzzle box. And they're marketing it as a STEM toy um, for, you know, engineering and technology and puzzles. Um, I, I, I just... I, I don't really know what to say, what else to say about this, except for the fact that the pictures and all of the reviews so far basically are like, this is a really accurate representation of the original puzzle box from the original Hellraiser movie. Um, and the pictures in the ad have kids like playing with it like it's a Rubik's Cube. I, it's just it's bizarre. I don't understand. Um, I mean, thumbs up for the accurate recreation, but thumbs down for your marketing. Tabitha. 
This is hysterical. And I think every child should have one. Thumbs up. <laughs> Lydia. Oh my gosh. I Just the fact that a horror movie object like this has somehow made it to the toy aisle for children is just... I just want to laugh. It may be bad marketing, but at the same time... Maybe it's remarketing. Who knows? Thumbs up, though. That this is hilarious. So, is this is this actually marketed as like is it actually like Hellraiser branded, or is it just like y'all? This is very clearly from Hellraiser. Um, I think there's actually two versions. Um. Yeah, uh, there's there's essentially two versions. Um, <laughs> it's not really marketed, well, not on the website as a as a toy, um, a trick gift box. I'm just looking to see it on like the Walmart app to see what it's actually got as options. Yeah, the link on the article um, comes up as like unavailable, so it's huh? it's hard to tell. Okay, well. I don't know. I this is this is weird. Like I'm I'm going to go thumbs up on this. Um yeah, I guess you know, you got to you got to raise your kids well or raise your kids hell, I guess. Um, <laughs> Lydia, let's talk about what I can only describe as VR of death. <laughs> so, you know, on the other part of the toy list of things you don't need in your life. Um, Palmer Lucky, who is the leader and founder of the Oculus Rift headset, um, apparently created an actual VR headset that if you die in the game, can kill you. Um, so this idea was based off of the anime uh, Sword Art Online, which is has basically the same thing. The characters are in VR headsets playing a game, and if they die in the game, they die in real life. Like, the headset ex- it just explodes their head. Um, so he basically did this in secret from, like, all of his marketing people, all of his co-workers, like, everybody he do- works with, he basically, like, kept this a secret from them as he did this. Um, but apparently he also works with large contracts with the government um, as far as like explosives and stuff. So I'm not sure how you get those two titles as far as I'm going to make a VR headset. I'm going to go make an explosive. But apparently he decided that this sounded like a fun idea. And he made this headset that has three explosive charge mods at the front of the headset that if a certain death screen pops up, it will uh, set off the microwave emitter on these charges and it will literally explode your head. Um, he said, and I quote, at this point is just an, a piece of office art and for a thought provoking reminder of unexpected avenues uh, or unexplored avenues in game design. Thankfully, you cannot buy this. There is only one, which is the one that he created. And even he has not been brave enough to test it because, you know, this could kill you. (laughs) What goes through someone's head to go, hmm, that sounds like fun. I think I'm going to make that. Like, 
it's cool for media and movies and games and all that fun stuff but do do we really need to start an epidemic of people's heads being blown off because they died in a video game because they're horrible gamers i don't think we do like you're doing too much dude sit down <laughs> i mean thumbs up for the ingenuity and being able to actually make the thing that works but thumbs down for the fact that you made it in the first place no yeah um thumbs down for all of this and i really don't like that you know the the government knows about it <sighs> government kind of kind of had a hand in it like hmm yeah, hmm. yeah he like flat out said like he usually uses the this kind of like project and other projects it's like yeah. that that's not okay yeah i'm not here for any of this Thumbs down, Matt. <clears throat> yeah, I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I don't even know. Like, I really don't have words to describe how I feel about this. Um, I, not even like, why would you even? Um, I'm gonna go thumbs down. Tabitha. So I know it's my inner conspiracy theorist, but my brain says this sounds like a government contract that this guy was working on something and it got leaked and he had an, oh shit, how do I cover it up moment? And he was like, oh, I just thought I'd make an experimental video game. That's what this smells like to me. So I'm going to give it a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, I had not originally shared this with you guys because I only found out about this on my way home from work today. But you know how Mountain Dew has put out like weird flavors, you know, whatever. They've got a new holiday flavor. And I'm going to try this live on air. So it is Mountain Dew Fruit Quake. It has oh. a blast of artificial fruitcake flavor. Here you oh. go. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, before I open it up and try it, um, I want to go ahead and see y'all's thumbs. Um, Matt, we'll start with you. I I don't understand Mountain Dew's obsession with these bizarre flavors. It's like the Pringles thing with all of their weird flavors. Thumbs down. I, we don't need all of these bizarre variations. Tabitha. I'm so uncomfortable and I'm so glad we're not in a room with you while this is happening. Thumbs down. Lydia. Of all the things, why fruitcake? Why? Thumbs down. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I, I saw it kind of from afar and at first I was like, like the, the, the Mountain Dew itself, I was like, okay, maybe it's cranberry, but then I'm looking at like the label. I'm like, okay, well maybe it's gingerbread and like, I'd be okay with that. But then it was like fruit quake. And at first I was like, no, that's disgusting. And then I was like, but I'm about to report, record our podcast tonight, and this would be a fantastic addition to the podcast. So I'm doing this for y'all. So it does not smell good. It does not. R.I.P. Mitch. 
Oh god, I feel like we're watching an execution. <laughs> <laughs> he took another drink. Oh, oh god. It tastes like first off, never again. <laughs> but it tastes like spiced cherry. It's kind of what I'm getting. I mean, yeah, that makes Mr. Fed flavored Mountain Dew. Yeah, like it's mm. it's weird. Um, yeah, definitely could not finish that bottle. That is. Mm. So here's my question: that one or the Coke Starlight that tastes like whatever they said the cosmos <laughs> the okay so the coke starlight one um i actually i enjoyed and after you know after i tried that on air like i even bought like a couple more bottles of it but then they've got like this new one that's like it's like a light blue label um i want to say it's like dream or something like that that one is trash not here for it um <laughs> Yeah. For a half second, I was willing to give this fruit quake um, a thumb sideways, but the more I think about it and have that taste in my mouth, thumbs down. That was like $3 not well spent. Braver man than I. Yeah. The things I will do for this podcast. <laughs> mm. All right. So, Tabitha, you have our last story of the night. Um, the other three stories, very weird, but did not match up to the weirdness of somebody trying to bring on a raw chicken stuffed with something. Tried to bring it onto an airplane. Take it away. Uh, so, I don't know how I ended up here, if I'm being super real with you. Um, but also only in Florida, I swear to God, um, this happened at a Fort Lauderdale airport security officers found a handgun inside a raw chicken inside of a suitcase. Uh, so TSA posted the photos on their official Instagram account on Monday. Also, I now know after diving down a little bit of a rabbit hole that you can take fresh meat, both in your carry on and your check bag as long as it's packed in ice. However, as far as firearms are concerned, you are only allowed, those are only allowed in the check bag and have to be declared at the ticket counter and do have to be packed in a locked container. A chicken, unfortunately, does not count as a locked container. Um, what made this all the more special is the caption from the Instagram post, which is going to bring Mitch so much joy, he may get so into the holiday spirit that he finishes off his uh, fruitcake-flavored Mountain Dew. <clears throat> There's a personal foul here. The plot chickens as we barrel our way closer to Thanksgiving. For us, it's a time to be thankful that our offices are always working around the clock to keep you safe. Take, for instance, this Can You Believe It? find at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. We hate to beak it to you here, but stuffing a firearm in your holiday bird for travel is just a waste of time. This idea wasn't even half fake. It was raw, greasy, and obviously unsupervised. 
The only roast happening here is this poor packing choice. Feather you like it or not, there are rules for traveling with guns and ammunition, so don't wing it. Roost on over the, to the proper packaging info throughout the link in our bio. Wow. Somebody had way too much fun with that. I, I want to know who got up in the morning and was like, I have to get on a flight. I should probably pack my gun and my chicken and put it in my... <laughs> like, I want to know where the train of thought was. That's my... That's all I want. I want to sit down with this human and ask them what their train of thought was because never in my life would I think I could take a firearm in a suitcase without checking it in a because that's stupid but why in the hell do you just have a raw chicken sitting around and you're like oh what if I put it in there it'll be fine like I don't I can't I can't make that make sense see and my question is like is there other like normal stuff in the suitcase is this raw chicken with a gun in its butt just like sitting on top of this person's laundry <laughs> like oh, um, according to the pictures pretty much it was like in a plastic bag and then it was just like plastic bag oh. raw chicken Ew. gun suitcase full of travel toothpaste and contact solution and souvenirs i don't mm. i just i i don't like i said only in florida i swear to god there's no other place that this would happen i refuse to believe it hmm. I, I would like to state for the record since i was just in florida this was not me <laughs> i did not get on an airplane i did not pack my chicken with my gun i didn't know not it was it was it your husband though <laughs> I'm pretty sure if it was ATF would have him like in custody right now and he's safely inside doing karaoke right now so I can safely say it was not my husband. <laughs> like you're going to have to like want, if this person had gotten away with this once they you know like got to their final destination and pulled the gun out of the chicken like they would have had to cook that to 165 degrees like I mean, I assume they were going to throw away the chicken because... I'm talking about the gun. It's not meeting food safety standards. I mean, they're going to have to... It's got chicken goop on. I just... I don't, don't want to be the person that has to clean that later. Yeah. Was it Was it loaded? The it chicken, yes. The, yeah, the chicken was very loaded. <laughs> uh, the gun, I don't know, unfortunately. Um, because, like, how... How how terrible would it have been if you end up getting shot by this chicken gun? <laughs> you you survive the shooting, but I then get you, you get salmonella <laughs> because it was in the butt of a chicken. <laughs> like that is literally my luck. I'm just letting you know. I just want to know, like, okay, so when I go buy a chicken to cook, it's frozen. Like, either you bought, like, a fresh chicken or you defrosted a chicken so you could get the gun in its butt. Like, there's, like, so much prior proper planning that had to go into this plan that makes no damn sense. And I can, made of logic, and I can't figure it out. It upsets me. <laughs> there's no part of this that makes no, sense and I'm no. trying so hard to make it make sense and it just does not no. the sequel to Chicken Run did not go the way I expected <laughs> <laughs> Chicken yeah, Fly I was, 
I was thinking about um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs when it becomes he becomes Chicken Brit, but like, oh like Chicken Brit, but Chicken Brit's just a gun. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can pack fresh meat onto your carry-on bag as long as it's on ice. So for your next travel adventure, feel free to take your own raw chicken. The more you know. Right. The more but you, you can know. On, on your carry-on. You got to get checked that bag. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, check us out on social media. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say raw chicken. I'm not saying that. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>